Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen, a podcast from Alpha Gamma Delta. I'm your host, Emily Bice. Join us as we discuss topics that affect women of today and examine the ways that we can be women with purpose. there. Welcome back to Love, Lead, Listen. Today's guest is Dr. Erica Rowland, Assistant Professor of Practice in the Higher Education Leadership Program at the University of Texas at Austin. Erica, welcome. Hello. Nice to be here. I'm glad you're here. So one of the things you research is power, right? Yes. Yeah. So what is power? I know it's like a term we throw around a lot, but do you have an actual definition for us to kind of start off with? So I don't have an actual definition because it depends on where how you're talking about it. And so I usually talk about it from a social justice, social change perspective. And so I research power and it's unequal power Mm -hmm. and how we interact with each other with different identities and how we get to privilege and oppression and all those good things. So power for me is something that dictates how, how we interact with each other, but also resources. So you say interacting with people and resources, how does it come up in that? So I think if we think in a context of higher education or thinking about graduation, it's one of those things of looking at who has access to education. So if we look at the history of uh, the U.S., oftentimes African-Americans and Latino um, have not had access. And so that has outcomes about who gets what resources. And and that shows up in economics, that shows up in class, that shows up in other places. And so being mindful of those things and how we continue to have this, um, the haves and the have nots. Yeah. I am a white woman, um, a cisgendered white woman. So you'd think in traditional context, I'd be someone with a lot of power. And that's not the case for someone that is not a white skinned human being that's cisgendered, right? Right. Like I am an African American queer woman. So uh, life looks a little different um, than how I navigate that. But also in my press identities, I also have privilege. So thinking about my education, I have a doctoral degree, thinking about my class, all those things, thinking about my religion, I'm Christian. So all those things play in part. So we have to think about identity and this intersectionality about we have privileged identities, we also have um, marginalized identities and how that influences how we interact with each other, who gets what, how we are treated, those great things. So it's not just one one and done sort of thing like you click this box, you have all the power. It's it's really related to all of your identities as a human being, yes. right? And some some of us have more privileged identities than others. It's like a kaleidoscope, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when we talk about privilege versus power, how do those two things relate? Are they the same? Do you interchange them? What's the relationship there? So I would say privilege is a result of power um, and oppression. So privilege is around something that you didn't do anything for. So if we're talking about whiteness, right? Whiteness in the U.S. is kind of currency for access to different things and different experiences. So with that, that's privilege that you didn't earn. It was just something that you're born into. Um, even class, when we think about class, uh, middle class, upper class, oftentimes you didn't do anything, but you just kind of there. You lucked out. Yeah, you're there. And even those people that say, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, there had to be opportunities in place and opportunities for you to have access to that kind of resources in order to be where you are. And so even looking at from everything from birth down to to when you die. So we really think through the progression of life around power and privilege. That's an interesting concept of you're not born and you don't stay at one level of power or privilege. Ageism is another aspect, right? Mm-hmm. 
inability. Um, some say it depends on who you're talking to that once we're born, we're all on our way to being disabled. Um, and so due to aging. And so I think ableism can come and go. That's one of the things that it can happen anytime. You have all these different identities and that relates to how much privilege you have, which relates to how much power you have, right? Yeah, it does. In a sense, I wouldn't say power. The way I think about power isn't something that a person owns, right? I think of power as something that is integrated into our social systems that allow certain people to access in and access out. So if I had to have an illustration of it, it would be say that we're on a ride, we're getting ready to go on a roller coaster and we had to stand in a line. And there's some people that are standing in line before us or after us, right? And society has already determined who's standing where and who gets to go first, right? And so there, we're still thinking about the ride, the right person may let the first three people go, which could be a white male, a white female, and let's say a black man, right? Um, but then everyone else can't go. So when they get off the, the ride and they come over and say, oh, we've had this experience and the rest of us can't talk to that, then it leaves this the haves and the have nots. So it's not something that is about something that I possessed over someone, although it could be used that way, but it's more from a systems perspective. Who has access to what? So when we talk about systems, we already talked about education as one. What are some of those other systems? Uh, healthcare, thinking about I would say schools, but also judicial systems. Um, I think that's been a really big thing coming out right now. Economics, think about policies and, and policies. So all of those places that makes our society have social norms, right? Whose social norm is in place? Whose rules are in place? Whose perspective is taken as the ultimate truth? That's interesting. You said the ultimate truth. It's all perspective kind of, right? It's all perspective. At least we should go with perspective. But I guess I always use with my students the idea of education, especially higher education, is to become middle class, right? And the reality of that matter is depending on where you are in your identities and how you're situated, i.e. if we think about women of color who take out loans and we compare that to how they... How they're employed and how much money they pay, they get paid. So they get paid less than white women. So when you think about being paid less than someone else, but also have the same amount and even more loans, that mobility, class mobility kind of doesn't really exist. Yeah. Um, so that's when I'm, so the purpose of this is at the end of the day, everybody should meet this middle class standard. But whose standard is that? Who said that that should be our truth? Um, as a society, that's what we should aim for. And I would say it was kind of it's kind of been that way since our formation of a country. Yeah, it's deep. Uh, and I think that's the great thing about privilege and power is that it's not something that just happened overnight. This has been a legacy piece of it. Even wealth for a very long time, uh, white men were able to own slaves. And that was a way of um, given legacy, wealth of family, right? And so if you have like a Latino family that has to go back and take care of their people, legacy of money is now not the same. And so really, again, you have to deconstruct and really look at the questions and think about how are things played out and for whom. Um, so those systems are there to benefit certain people. Mm -hmm. It's something that if you don't look closely at the system, it's easy to miss. Yes. That, I mean, that's the great point of like, that's the powerfulness of power and looking at inequality is that it's made for you not to see it unless you're being the one pinched by it. But oftentimes, uh, even being if you're one of those people that have multiple oppressed identities, you may be socialized to say, 
well, this, I just need to pull myself up by my bootstraps or I just need to go to college. I just need to do these things. And then I can be this, right? When reality was never made for you. And so, and I think that's the conversation we're having now around education and reform, um, education reform is who was education for and how was it built? How's it taking account culture? How's it taking account identities and all those things? And what does that mean when we come to these testing pieces? So it's rooted in a lot of conversation. Even if you watch the election um, coming up, it's rooted in everything. Going back to that idea, it's not just one and done. It's not one one piece. It's all different moving pieces. I like the point that you made of we have this. I think it's like the American dream is you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But that's not a system. That's a not a system for most of the country. That is the few people that it was made for, typically white males, were able to do that. And then everyone's expected to do the same when it's like climbing a ladder where the rungs are missing. Right. And some people didn't have boots. So um, that's there. But I, I do want to mention, I I think for me, I come from a long legacy of women, black women who who have been resistant. Mm-hmm. Right. And so being able to tell their story from a different perspective. So there's some power, um, some resisting power and special power that for people that exist in these margins. Right. And so it's not always to conform. It's also it could be part of uh, survival, but also thinking about new ways to be. And so as much as we talk about white men ruling the world, I would say other of us rule the world, but in very different ways and different perspectives. And it I think, looks differently. Yeah. And I think you can see that now, especially in our politics, when folks are saying believe black women. Right. Well, we want to believe black women to after the fact. Right. And so, again, that's talking about this identity politics. And so where do you stand? Where do you create reality? What does it mean? I think an organization like Alpha Gamma Delta gives us an opportunity to rethink what does it mean to be a woman in these spaces? And more than just women, some people are parents, some people have different sexual orientations, religions and all these places. But we have an opportunity to combine together and think of something new versus reinforcing this women are less than or we only do we only belong in these spaces um so i think there's opportunities to to really push back and create your own space and i think those things are important so kind of thinking of that of the importance of pushing back and creating your own space can you tell me a little bit more about that and like what that looks like especially for people that are marginalized that are in the have nots sort of thing i think having a space where women can be with other women and talk about leadership where there's no male influence i think that's that's what i mean by holding space and sometimes that means that the other people can't be involved and that's okay and that also means even in the group of women we still have very different identities and things to do and so i think for me is having your people and knowing where you can draw out because being oppressed can be hard. And some people it's, it's a way of surviving is life or death. Right. And so, and especially when we think about college students and young women, right. This idea of we're giving messages about how to not be sexually assaulted, um, how to protect ourselves. Again, it, it becomes life or death. And so to be in spaces that feeds your soul, um, that you don't have to explain different things, I think creating that kind of space, but also, I don't think it's just up to folks in the margins, but um, this education across differences. I don't think I surely do not want to educate a white man all the time because that's exhausting as well. But coming in relationship with people and sharing stories and sharing pieces of that and also being willing to listen and even to the complex, even people that we think we know the complexity of their story. So I think sharing that space could be single your group, the identity 
but also can be cross racial, cross uh, identities that allows for some type of healing to take place. But it's going to take different people from different perspectives to come in and say, hey, we want to make sure that we understand we're not tolerating, but we're understanding and building relationships so that I know when I go out in the world with all my education, right, that when I see someone who don't have the same education, I can say, hold on, let me take a step back before I make a judgment or I make a policy based on my lived experiences. I think that's incredibly important of you have to check your bias a little bit. Yeah. And that's that's an everyday thing. That's not something that you arrive. We talk about. Uh, I do a lot of research on leadership development, um, especially around social justice and power and privilege and oppression. And a lot of that is a forever going piece. Um, I think something like the sorority that asks us to reflect is a good skill set to continue to use. Right. To think, but more deeply than what program did I go to? What was my crush party? All those great things. But more, how are you situated in the world? How do you contribute to this inequality, no matter where you're situated? And so what does that language mean? How, how can you do that? Because even people that are oppressed could also internalize pieces about what does it mean to be a black woman? So you must have you must have had straight hair or you may have you have to look like this. Right. Um, and all that's problematic. Um, but if I'm reinforcing that to other black women, then it also becomes problematic. So, again, that reflection has to continue to happen. I think it's important to note, like you don't have to just go to one place for those reflections. Even after you graduate college and you're out in the world, there's spaces out there that can prompt that uh, reflection. And I think you have to acknowledge like sometimes these are uncomfortable conversations, especially if you're one of those people with the privilege and you're having to come to terms with that past and that privilege. You need to be open to looking for those places that will have you reflect and after you reflect, what's next step, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the reflection piece is always hard because I think people think, oh, I just recognize something, I identify it, and then I'm done. And I think that's hard because I've been in spaces where the dominant identity of the people with the privilege overtake the space. And so even how you interact, what's your intentions in being there? Because even if your intentions, I want to learn, that can be come off as uh, gawking or as tokenizing or fetishizing around and so it's a careful balance that i think there's some spaces that you need to go do your work right google some things i mean probably go to the third tab not just the first tab Uh, (laughs) read some books listen to some podcasts right talk to some friends that you can be honest about hey i'm not sure about this and that or all the acronyms and lgbtqa right i'm not sure about that can you help me out and then when you get into spaces, you know how to re- how to respond and respect people without it being a taking device. So, I, again, I think those spaces are hard and, and learning when and where to do that is a skill set. But also a lot of that work has to be done kind of in solitary. Right. Like do your homework. Yeah. Do your like Google. We have a whole Google uh, system. We even have Yahoo. <laughs> YouTube, all sorts of stuff. And I think something, although I I would say, I think we're in a time where we're talking about fake news, but I also think there's a a different side to that is that people that who usually are in the margins are oppressed have now opportunities to express different stories now, right? That normally wouldn't have not been told because it's not in the education curriculum or it's not what's bright out like that's out in the news right unless it's something really bad right so now you can have articles that what i call counter stories that talk about what does it mean to be the other right that is prideful that is powerful 
that is not when I say the haves and the have not, it doesn't mean that the have nots wants to ha- want to have right or want to be in your shoes. I just want to be treated equally. I just want to be able to live my life freely without fear that because of color of my skin that I can be shot dead. Right. Um, that seems really. But everybody, you know, it's a reality for a lot of people. Right. Or I have to have a conversation with my kids about how to respond to certain people. That's stressful. Right. And all I ask, whether you want to be me or not, it's great to be me, but is that you respect my freedom. Um, and I think that's what it's about, not about attaining the same thing as a certain group. So if you are if you were someone that is listening and you're thinking about all these systems and these things that are, they make me angry. And I, you know, it's one of the things where it's like, I want to go out and change this. What would you, what would you tell those people? Uh, start with yourself, right? Like spend a lot of time. I think oftentimes in our, uh, we're quick to go and change. We want to say, how can I go and march? And how can I go in? And oftentimes it comes with intentions. Like, can you identify where the inequality is happening? So if you understand, we take education, that the loan process of federal government is a little wonky, right? It doesn't, it doesn't fit for everyone. So that's going to be important about who you vote for. Right. And so but again, that's a little different than picking up a sign and and going with a teacher strike. Right. So but a lot of that, again, is making sure you do your research, but also asking deeper questions other than saying I'm better than you. So how can I help you? And I think that's that's a different piece or I want to take somebody out. Right. So I I think it's, it's really about doing that reflection, being deep about it, but also leading with being humble and love. Right. I don't think love can conquer all. I think it's part of the step of how we reach out to other people and how we change the system. I really like the, that you make the point of don't just go in and assume you know all the answers because odds are you don't. You have to do your research. And I think asking, right? Yeah. Ask, not necessarily permission, but right. taking a step back and realizing you're probably not the one. You can be part of the solution. But if, if you're not part of the people experiencing the problem, you need to be respectful of the people that are. Yeah. And sometimes that means being quiet, right? Being quiet in those spaces. There are spaces that I go to that I am obviously the one with privilege, right? I'm cisgender. So what does that mean to be in a space with uh, transgender women, right? And so and listen to their experience. Um, And sometimes I just need to be quiet. But where my action comes in at is when I'm with other cisgender people and there's things that are being said and I finally say, hold on that's not really accurate, right? This is the experience. And so a lot of it, when you talk about work and you talk about doing the work, a lot of it is like clean up your own house, right? How are the people that you interact with every day uphold these systems, right? In your everyday life, in your faith groups, in your service groups, um, in your family, the way you think about things. I think that's where you start, but it start. It also, you have to listen to the other people and give opportunities. And also I, I found that people with um, privilege often comes in, tell me everything. <laughs> it's like, oh, where do we start? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the education piece, again, I, I think you have to be very careful about, are you fetishizing people? Are you listening? What does that mean? And so, so I think that's a fine line to balance but it's something that we have to come to i like that you say be quiet because i mean you don't always have to have the voice right no we appreciate if just shh for a little (laughs) bit right (laughs) yeah oh yeah i'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are like whoop i felt that or ooh, maybe i should practice being quiet and that's okay it's a practice it's 
it's a learning experience, right? You're not going to go out and be perfect the first try. Right. And it, also, I think we have to understand being a millennial, I've been taught that the world revolves around me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so surely my lived experiences, I need to share my story. Right. And so knowing when there's a time and space to just to be like, hey, I want to take in people's story genuinely to really understand how they see the world, right? That may be different than mine. That doesn't mean that I necessarily always have to change mine, but there's different perspectives and different ways of thinking about the world. So I think that's hard. It's hard to get your ego aside or not have your feelings hurt while like, oh, I came to help you, but you don't want me in this group. Well, it's really not about you. And I think that's also hard in the midst of being quiet because uh, that ego pops up as like, you can save people. That little voice in your head that's like, yeah. oh, you're the, you're the person. Yeah, and especially if you're an academic like me, you're like, hey, I read this book and- uh, <laughs> Let me tell you about it. <laughs> let, me, let me help you with your problems. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of that is just not necessary. And- um, it's yeah, it's it's all about the lived experience. Yeah. Almost like checking the people in your life. And that's a hard thing to do that someone you love or you're really close with is saying something that's it's, it's not right. And you have to step up and be that person. That's a hard thing to do, right? It is. It's hard. And I think oftentimes we limit that to uh, people saying things. And I think it has to go deeper than that. Like, how do we what are we doing things? What is the reaction? Right. When past the homeless, right? Are you like, like what's happening? Making a face right. sort of thing, yeah. Or it's like, what? you know, like if you find yourself judging people, a lot of oppression happens when people are not saying anything. Um, and so how do you spend your money? Where do you spend your money? If you see someone, do you cross the street? Do you hold on to your purse, right? What are you saying to your kids or other people about like, oh, boys will be boys. And if you're a lady, you need to dress like this and like this so that you don't draw attention, right? A lot of that is not us correcting people's languages. It's really thinking about our actions that reinforce these things that tells someone, especially like a young lady, oh, my body is not mine. Right. Someone can take it at any time. So it's my it's my fault or my reason why I have to watch my drink or I have to dress a certain way. Instead, we're not telling guys or anyone else to say, you know, control yourself like figure that out. So um, <laughs> like we need to have a different conversation. So a lot of that is not so much correcting language. A lot of that is being mindful and thinking deeply about how our action reinforce certain things. You're right. We do really automatically go to that language sort of thing, but be- actions speak louder than words. Yeah. And if we want to make real change, we have to look at, like you said, look deeper. Yeah. And I think, again, I, I think words are, are good. I think, I mean, if you want to look at a word that has, I think, transformed is the R word, right? I mean, you have kids, younger kids now, like you can't say that word. So I think the correction, is, it's great. But I also think we have to be mindful of even that correction piece. How does our action still reinforce this otherness? And I think that takes a little bit more focus and a little bit more intentionality around it than so much saying like, hey... And I think we begin to start having quite conversations around snowflakes or who's woke, right? We become social justice warriors. Well, you don't know it like I know it. And I think when we get away from the language piece and start thinking about actions, we no longer can talk about who's woke and who's not woke, right? Some people need to stay asleep, right? Some people do not need to be woke. And so, and I, I think we get into these fake battles that don't, they're just more a distraction than they are pushing us forward. And just because you know it all or you've you've had your moment of awakening, giving other people space to have their time and move their, their through their time. But again, action is bigger than than those words. Yeah. And so you're looking at not necessarily what they're saying, but why are they saying it? 
Yeah. And then how they live out their lives. Like if you're treating people that are different from you still like in an arm's distance, well, I don't care what word you use, right? I think sometimes we use language as an escape, although it's important, but it's also need to look at rules and, and policies and about how we communicate different things other than um, just language, right? Uh, I guess all that's part of language too, but I think we think about words like this word, don't say this word, don't say that word. But in it's reality- like, why are you wanting to use that word? Right, and that's another thing. Why do you want to use that word? What's the, you know, what's the reason behind that? But also like you can be the kindest person, the sweetest person or like what I like to call uh, nice nasty. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> for our Southern folks out there that- can keep it sweet but yet you mean all the harm the bless your heart yeah the mm, you have holes in your shirts and you probably don't have money but bless your heart right that's an indication about class right of how do you know if that was that last shirt they had or what's the situation maybe having right and so i think that's a little bit deeper of really connecting with people and understanding their story um and not tokenizing them and not being like oh i just buy you a new shirt that's not the point, right? The point is to think about what are our systems, right? From a job perspective, if someone's working minimum wage and minimum wage is $7 or $11, I think it is now, and your people that you elect don't see that as a problem, that's part of your action as well. Um, so that all fits into it, thinking about schools, high schools, middle schools, elementary schools. And we're talking about zoning, who gets what resources, all that resources in public schools about public property especially in the conversation right now that we're having around gentrification so again it's great to to come in and change some cities but also know that that's also harm as well and thinking through those pieces so all of that didn't really require you to say a word uh it's it's our daily life or what we would call being a citizen our civic duty so for someone listening what's the biggest piece of information you want them to walk away with today Get to know someone that's different than you and read some books uh, or read some things online. Um, seek out something that's totally different than you and try to come at it with an open heart. And even if it makes you uncomfortable, if it makes you uncomfortable, you're doing the right thing, right? It's okay Sit. to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Sit in that uncomfortability. I think about it as when you go to work out, if you don't have any pain, you're not getting any gains. Yeah. So <laughs> like same thing with social change and thinking through that is that being uncomfortable sometimes means that you're changing, right? Uh, I think oftentimes as sorority women or as people who want to be changed, we want to change the world, but yet we refuse to change ourselves. So I, I would definitely say do your work, work with yourself, talk to somebody, maybe a therapist, whoever, but that self-care, that self-work is, is more important uh, right now as a first step. So Erica, we're at the point where we ask our, all of our guests this question. What is your purpose? Um, my purpose is really uh, helping people think through what does it mean to be in community uh, around social justice, to think about liberation for everyone. And it's not a let's go march or anything like that. That's cool, too. But like I like to have fun and think about ways that we can engage different people from different perspectives in the conversation and really think about that. So that's kind of my job is to kind of facilitate these dialogues, um, no matter where I am, whether that's community gardens or at the University of Texas at Austin or even at the shopping mall. Granted, I don't talk to everybody, but uh, that would be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of work and that's a lot of labor. Not doing all that, but that's that's one of my passions, my purpose. So, if someone wants more of Erica, where would they go? Well, I've been saying Google a lot. If you Google me, 
that's what Erica with a C and a K. All my things will pop up, some connection to the scholarship that I do. But I'm also on Twitter as Dr. E. Rowland. Um, you can follow me there. Uh, I just, again, this is the conversation that I'm having even on Twitter and retweeting. So if you want some resources, please let me know. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It was a great conversation. I'm so appreciative for everything you've said. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. Love, Lead, Listen is recorded and produced at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters and is generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. If you like this show, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and don't forget to share it with your friends. If you have an idea for a future episode or any other feedback, send us an email at podcast at alphagammadelta.org. I'm your host, Emily Weiss, and that's all for today. See you next time.